0: Is episode 229 of The Sausage Factory. In this episode, I talk to Bertel Hoborg of Hoburg Productions about their boss battle roguelite extermination force. But before we delve into that, let's chat about what else is under Kane and Rince's umbrella. On Mondays, we have Kenny and Rince itself with Persona 5 this week. Or was it Persona? It's Persona, isn't it? Yes, anyway. And then on Wednesday, we have Sound of Play. This is the podcast that celebrates scores of video games, not scores of ratings, but actually music scores. Yes, I do that joke every week, so we're tired of it. And then on Thursdays, we have Playwright. We have two people called Ryan making up video games based on the ideas given to them by their listeners. They're very close to episode 100 this week, so do have a listen. If you want to know more about Kane and Rince, pop along to com, where there's a host of articles features blogs and archives of previous episodes of those podcasts including the one you listen to now which is of course the sausage factory which i mentioned earlier also you see some previews of games i played at pax east and REST in april so yeah have a, have a read of those they're sort of slowly releasing them as i've been writing them for Quite some time. We're slowly releasing them over the next few weeks. So yeah, do check that out. There's also a forum as well. Best lest I forget, the wonderful an active forum, and uh, yeah, pop along to that. It's great. Also a Twitch stream where we currently have two regular streams. First on Thursday nights, the HMS Cana rinse where myself and other hosts of the Cana rinse roster of of hosts uh, sail the seas of Sea of Thieves and uh, trying to find content and generally failing but it's still entertaining nonetheless now if you want to chuck us some coin uh, oh i missed it up. sorry <laughs> i've got a variety show as well on sundays yes 8 p.m british summertime or gmt depends what time of year it is uh i just play a random game normally linked to cane and Rince, actually um so uh but not this week because uh, i'm not going to stream person of five because why why it's only for an hour so yeah do check that out and uh, yeah also the T of these streams on at 9pm british Summer summertime gmt on thursdays but yes if you want to chuck us some coin as i was saying earlier you can you can actually subscribe uh, to us for one us dollar a month via patreon as a minimum uh sort of funding if you will and if you do that, you get extra content. You get the podcast, Kane and Rinse, earlier, one week earlier, also extended version of, rather than the edited down to two hours, which actually goes beyond that. Also, there's like exclusive monthly podcasts, general sort of chit-chat podcasts, that is exclusive to Patreon. It was not released outside to the public. And then finally, they have the platform-exclusive podcasts, which we, so far we've done PlayStation, um, Game Boy, and now... There's actually Xbox, the original Xbox, we've done a feature on that. But uh, again, that's all, That the current one is actually behind a paywall, and will be, well will be behind Patreon, that is, and it will be for another couple of months to come. But if you want to listen to it now, you have to subscribe. So yeah. Anyway, enough of that. I think it's time to listen to me from the past. Take it away. Bertel. Uh, hi. Who are you?
1: Or what do you do? <laughs> Uh, yeah, my name is batil uh, Abay. I'm a indie developer in Sweden. I make uh, a few small games. The latest one is called Mix Termination Force. It's a boss rush platformer, like a mix of Contra and Shadow of the Colossus. And uh, well, I'm the head of the studio, and we're currently at uh, three people working. And uh, yeah, that's a about it in no, Short that, terms.
0: That's 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 great. I mean, uh, when I asked that question, this is like an understanding of what you're doing, where you come from, and what you're up to. And uh, yeah, three of you. Wow, that's that's quite an achievement, I and mean, considering how much there is to *Extermination Force* and it's how pretty it is. <laughs> yeah, thanks. It's,
1: it's quite so. Basically, I'm the programmer, animator, designer, and main developer thing, and the other two are. Well, we started the project with two people, me and uh, an old friend of mine who's a a graphic artist and mainly 3D artist. And then uh, later in the project, we hired another junior 3D artist to help finish it. Mm. And then there are some outsourced uh, things like sound and music is outsourced and localization as well. Okay, cool. So Uh, I do everything except the graphics and I do some of the graphics
0: as well. Yeah, you have to be a master of many things when you're in a small studio like that, but yeah. you even have to do the boring business stuff, which, you know, Yeah, it's sitting there in front of a spreadsheet. Is that programming? No, it's our balance for this month. Okay, That's not very entertaining. No, but it keeps us it keeps us fed with a roof over our head. So, anyway, um, so obviously you've been working on games for a while. You actually mentioned that this is your latest title, so... I have to ask, how did you make your start making video games?
1: Uh, well, I, I mean, I started making, like, wanting to make games when I was a kid, and I started programming in QBasic, and I did some uh, things in Click & Play. It was a freeware game-making software for a while, and then moved on to some more serious programming in C and C++, and then I I studied uh, game development at the University of Skövde in 2003, I think I started. That was like right around the time when game education started being a thing in Sweden. I think I was like the second year in the the education existed. So uh, and then that was a, I studied game design for some reason. I though no, I was mostly a programmer all the way. And then well, I started working at first a small company making. Uh, Like a Sweden only children's game, kind of a a point and click adventure thing for kids based on a local children's book and TV series. And then I moved on to a company called Grin, which made the the Bionic Commando games in 2010, around there, I think they were released. So I worked mainly on Bionic Commando Rearmed, which was. Pretty pretty cool game back then, I think. Yeah, mm, I remember
0: it. It was, it, was, it was awesome. People were like, oh, I remember Bionic Commando. And I was sitting there as yeah. a European going, hey, yeah, I remember that. But it was, it was all right. I mean, it wasn't, you know, I mean, the original Bionic Commando game. Like, yeah, but, but then all these Americans going, no, on the NES, it was awesome. Like, yeah, yeah <laughs> the original was awesome. Yeah, so I know the, like... The arcade game that was ported to like the Amiga and the Atari ST, so and that's a very that that wasn't so good. And it wasn't so good, thank you. It wasn't Uh, so good. So I was scratching my head going. uh, But the NES, which I know, yeah, yeah, the NES game, which I know Sweden really latched onto uh, historically, um, unlike the rest of Europe. Um, uh, Yeah, it's it's a really good game. Yeah. yeah so but, go, but yeah i just want to touch on the fact that 2003 you must have graduated what um you said like sort of like In form?
1: 2006 i graduated to uh, yeah, yeah, university yeah. and yes. then moved on to uh, well my first job for like half a year and then to green and hmm. for a little while on the the Bionic commander game and then mm-hmm. moved on to uh, rearmed right. and worked for like and a half years or something then I left because I well, the AAA studios really didn't suit me at all so I went to a smaller indie studio and then obviously on a small indie studio there's not much security so once the project I was working on uh, was finished I had to move on to other things so then I actually helped start up a different company together with some old old colleagues from Grin because by that time Grin had uh, Uh, got bankrupt and closed down.
0: Oh.
1: So I started a company called uh, Might and Delight, if you ever heard of them. They made the shelter games recently. Oh, okay. That was uh, after I quit. I was there only there for about a year.
0: Right.
1: And then around around that time I got really bored with or well, kind of depressed uh, with working in that kind of situation, where I quit to do small Android uh, apps and things, or uh, like Android games and really silly things.
0: Okay.
1: And I started doing that full-time with my own company. So that was the start of my own studio.
0: Right.
1: Your The original goal was just to make small, silly stuff and just hope to make a meager living and not care about the big, scary gaming industry, really.
0: It is a bit scary, and it's gone to very yeah. strange places. And the reason I wanted to touch back on, you know, the early two thousand or mid-2000s, people forget how different that environment was. We didn't have the iPhone, we didn't have indie games so much, but in no, 2000, 2006, 2007, it all changed. Everything changed.
1: Yeah, or everything changes all the time. No, <laughs> That's of also
0: the scary. Part. Yeah, I mean, the only thing certain in life, certain in life is change. Uh, yeah. And I tell you that to people, it seems a bit glib, but it's true. Um, that and taxes. <laughs> uh, so yeah. um, anyway, no, it's just I find it fascinating that you found yourself in the midst of a an industry in a state of uh, change, significant change, and evolution. And you were, like I you said, you are working for a large company, and it's like. This isn't for me because I'm just one person changing some, changing some texture on a screen, which will probably be seen for two seconds by the player. And that can be quite, you know, or indeed, I really feel for that person in Ubisoft who's probably spent the best part of a week rendering that one pot, which the player will promptly smash in Assassin's Creed, you know. And it's just, I uh, know yeah. we're chuckling, but it's true, isn't it? I mean, they, you have people doing that kind of work, um, but it's. Uh, it's just you know the nature of the industry, isn't it? Really, if you're going to make extraordinary um, sweeping epics filled with content, someone's going to make it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I just get exhausted when I play like the big modern AAA game, thinking about all the people that do do all those all yeah. that content. It's it's horrible.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I can still enjoy the games, some of them, but oh, no, still, just just thinking about the development makes me. Makes me want to cry.
0: Yeah, it's just, they turn a bit green. All right, well, no, it's a wonderful sort of uh, heritage there, and uh, the fact that you managed to get into into the foot of the university just as they were started to teach it, whereas my generation, I'm quite you know, I'm quite old and uh, didn't exist. So all we had is computer science, which really was rubbish because all it did is taught you. Say rubbish. I mean, computer science is perfectly valid and an excellent um, school of um, study. Of course it is. However, for video games, yeah, not so much. It will teach you, you know, the tools with which you use to actually make games, but not the actual fine art of actually designing and creating games. So hopefully...
1: Well, I mean, I'm not sure my education really taught me all that much about
0: anything, to to be honest. But
1: but I I mean, the great part about uh, being like in an education was that was really just having the time and being around other people Mm. who were interested in making games and of course some of the courses were a lot better than the others but some of them were really weird (laughs) (laughs)
0: leave it at that then best left in the memory right so uh next question is and by the way this shows a bit like a video game it gets harder as he goes along, so enjoy uh, this next question is a bit nebulous, but I'm asking you and uh, to to respond to this in behalf of your studio, which you founded, so this should be relatively straightforward, but it won't be but here's the here he goes: What do you believe as creators is your biggest influence or influences
1: oh that's a that's
0: a weird question. <laughs> <laughs> What is the thing Uh, that you uh, find that you're, you know, gravitating towards more than anything?
1: Oh, oh, you mean my person, my my influence? I thought you meant like how I influence people, and that's hard
0: to answer with. No, no, no. So so it's basically you. You create something. You obviously influenced by other things in order to create that thing. What is it? Do you think it is?
1: Yeah, I mean, for for me, it's. uh, it's fairly straightforward. It's like uh, retro gaming, ah, all the way, like uh, a lot of the eight-bit and sixteen-bit games, basically. And obviously, for uh, for this game, uh, a big fortune was uh, or a big influence was uh, Shadow of the Colossus as well. Not so much gameplay-wise, or well, anything-wise, more like concept-wise.
0: Yeah. Because you climb, the you, you, climb on, is... you do climb on the on the bosses you're fighting. So there's a bit yeah. of
1: that, yeah. Yeah, but the, the gameplay is like mostly contra and uh, gangster heroes and uh, a bunch of different uh, things from the 16-bit era. And also for for Garman Clive, it's obviously a lot of Mega Man in there.
0: Yeah, there's yeah. a little bit Tons- as well. There's a little bit of Turrican, I think, just a little bit.
1: Um, maybe I haven't played a lot of Turrican, honestly. Oh, okay, so.
0: it's the gunplay.
1: Not, not consciously.
0: Yeah. Okay. But no. Um, but that kind of, and you're right. There's 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 still a, a, an affection and love for those types of games, but uh, they're they're few and far between these days, aren't they? That kind of heavy firepower for a for a character, because normally. You're you're quite weak. You don't have that ability to blow everything up in front of you. But in 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 uh, um, extermination force, you really really are quite formidable. Uh, long as long as you know what you're doing, you are quite a formidable foe, and that's quite quite empowering. So yeah, um, but no, it's it's a great thing to draw from that that era from you know late the late eight bit era to the uh, mid sort of like, mid nineties maybe of. Of uh, side-scrolling shooters and that sort of and
1: I mean I, I'll steal things from newer games as well just of that's not not as uh, much but yeah, I, mean, I, I steal from everything
0: <laughs> yeah I mean the, the point is that you know that's, that's, that's 20, 25, maybe 30 years ago in some regards and I'm happy to say that game design is not only you know recognised as a skill but has also progressed significantly since those times and that's why we have much better games now than we did back then I mean there were some very good games back then but they don't have the same design sensibilities that we have now and that's why I find that people are taking older genres and go this is fine but what if it was made now and then it turns into what it turns into something quite extraordinary normally so it doesn't always work but I I think I kind of disagree there because oh, no, go for I, it. I kind of disagree am go, go, go. sure
1: there are like really great games being made now and, but I think a lot of the modern trends in game design is like less to my liking than a lot of the older more pure ones and I think a lot of times the developers like try to make a, or they're influenced by a nice retro game and then they just add too much modern stuff for it for, for be any fun like Can you they give have
0: me an dread... example i mean i, I, I don't In... mind dissension i mean it's it's you know it's lovely to have a discussion about this any particular example you think no leave that alone
1: uh, this kind of a bad example because it's a game that everyone kind of hates and dislikes But yeah. I remember playing, uh, a bit of uh, Mighty Number Nine, right? And obviously, yes. that, that's not popular game in any way. No, that's like how, how they would had to add like the, the the modern take on like how are always background voice acting during the levels, basically. And I just want people to shut up and let me play the game without anything else going on.
0: Yeah, like it,
1: okay. it's how it isn't very normal trend these days to uh, like have a constant uh, voice track with people talking to the player character or something during the gameplay and I feel I kind of feel like that's a crutch like a crutch to make Mm. to make the game feel more interesting than it is and it also like kind of have to have you have to dumb down the gameplay to do that because if you, you you can't do as interesting gameplay when you also have to focus on on the story at the same time.
0: Okay, yeah. I think, I mean, one of the most blunt, obvious sort of game things or, or design mechanics that have appeared recently uh, for good or ill, let's talk about it, is the idea of uh, the instant regeneration, the reappearance of, you die, it's all right, you're back in a second, bing, just like Super Meat Boy. Yeah, and, and yeah, yeah it, Super well, Meat Boy's you, also a
1: game that uh, yeah, not really fond of personally. I mean, it's it's a good game. I'll I'll give it that, but it's just not the type of game I enjoy the most because it it focuses so much on the like small small instant super hard challenges, mm. but it misses the tension you have from a, like a, a longer level with like more tiny challenges. Yeah,
0: that's, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay, fine. No, that's a it's a great position to take and. It's, you're actually picking up some really good examples there I was, I generally thought objectively that there were some advances in game design that uh, do help things but you're right, sometimes people can just layer on things that aren't necessary that just don't make, make things worse, fair enough and also like you say, then the idea of just uh, creating the game is built around the fact that this is extremely difficult and you're going to die uh, as <laughs> or fail or what have you, uh, is some people like it because it's like a challenge and they see it as some sort of dexterity challenge. You're saying, uh, well, isn't there more to games than this? So,
1: Well, I mean, I, mean, I, I don't mind challenging games. I just find, like, the type of challenge hmm. you expect, or the type of challenges in Super Meat Boy is not really the type I enjoy more the most. Because huh. I prefer, like, uh, well, obviously Mega Man isn't as hard as Super Meat Boy, but it's a very, different type of challenge because there you have a like a full level or well you have a checkpoint in the middle but still it's a good a minute or so of gameplay that you have to like beat the whole set before you can before you can rest basically
0: yeah that's all valid
1: point you die and restart you start from the finish and that increases like the the penalty and therefore also the tension and uh, and the and a reward in some ways
0: yeah.
1: mm. and also like you don't play the exact same challenges over and over again because you have a, a bit more between the challenges this so that's true. just a, a drift approach to challenging games and I think uh, a lot of the trend has been towards the more short instant challenges
0: right, okay well next question then what developer do you most admire in the industry and why?
1: Oh, that's a tough one as well. <laughs> you you know, on, 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 some, uh, on some level, it has to be Nintendo, but there's so such a big company, so it's mm. hard to pin down. But, uh, well, the Mario team, obviously.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: That's yeah. fantastic work every time.
0: Mm, it's scary how they do that stuff. It's uh, yeah. scary and impressive at the same time, yeah.
1: Um, you well, know, from software as oh, yeah. well. Yes. I adore the Dark Souls game.
0: Yeah, and not the entire.
1: Yes, is sold, sold on uh, Sekiro. Though I love it, but hmm. maybe not quite as much.
0: I first encountered them with uh, Chrome Hounds, but yeah, from software have done some amazing games uh, over the over the years. And of course, before that, there was Kingsfield. Wow, yeah,
1: yeah I haven't really.
0: Played all the stuff, but yeah, yeah, I'm I'm old. Like I said, I
1: just,
0: <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> no, Chrome Hounds was, was amazing, but definitely was a definitely a from software game. I hope it was anyway. I'm putting a new challenge on that I'm fairly certain it was anyway. But yeah, and Demon Souls, I played that too. That was the first time I played yeah. a Souls game. So yeah, good stuff. Um, yeah. So last question of the first half is this. And I have to ask this because, well, as listeners all know, this is a video game podcast, therefore I'm legally obliged to ask it. What are you playing right now? Other than, you know, Mixed Termination Force.
1: No, I'm not playing that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Right now I'm playing uh, Gravity Rush 2. uh,
0: Right. Is that on the Vita or on
1: the... No, on PS4. The first one was on Vita and also released on PS4, but I haven't played that one. I just picked it up uh, the other day. Right. And I'm also still on the final boss on Sekiro, but not sure if I will ever beat it.
0: Oh, I do know someone who managed it recently. Um, You have to unthink what you've done, apparently, previously, but... um, Whether that means anything to you, I don't know. I don't want to spoil it for anyone. But basically, everything you've done up to this point is meaningless when facing that boss. So there it is. Make of that what you will. (laughs) So that's what you have to do. You have to unthink what you've done previously. Which is all the best sort of Souls games like. I haven't played that, by the way. I've been too distracted with many other things. I play a lot of board games as well, so that pulls me away from the screen. Anyway, um, so... Yeah, it's it's, it's, a, it's a why Gravity Rush two. Did you like the first one? Did you did you say you I played
1: haven't it? played the first one. I just oh okay. You just needed bought. something to play and well, browse the PSN store.
0: And how are you finding it?
1: Uh, yeah, it's, it's nice and charming. Nothing spectacular, but
0: uh, yeah, it's it's good. It's there. Okay. Cool. All right. Um, anything that sort of leaps out at you, from that impresses you, or intrigues, you, or you just sort of you just you just drinking it in and experiencing it for what it is. Yeah,
1: I'm just, I'm just playing it to pass the time right now.
0: Okay, fair enough. Right then, that's the end of the first half. Well done. We are now going to delve deep into mixed domination force for the second half of the show. Okay. question we call it that because it's not really a question it's a request please can you tell us what is Mixed Domination Force
1: uh, so Mixed Domination Force is a 2D platform action a boss rush game kind of a mix between Contra and Shadow of the Colossus so you fight uh, massive uh, robots or mechs and you have to climb up on them to like destroy different parts of them and find their weak spots to destroy them And uh, yeah, that's basically the whole game. There's only boss battles, uh, a small hub world in between, and you play as uh, one of four or technically five uh, different characters, though they all play the same, but just to get some diversity in there. There's uh, a few different characters and uh, a little bit of story, but not much. So it's all just full-on action boss battles and really, really big bosses and very, like, unique and different uh, mechanics on all the bosses.
0: Yeah, and one thing that strikes me as well when I started playing it and when I first saw the video is that how contrasting the colours are. It's really quite... I mean, normally there's more subtlety in in visuals, but this is like, there's red and right next to it is green! It's just... (laughs) And, uh, and it's great because it just you can see yeah. everything, you know? It's such a wonderful thing to see. Finally, someone's got it. You know, it all looks great, but I can't see anything. Um, I'm looking at you, Octopath Traveller. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I just want to pass my eternal of gratitude to you and your team for deciding to go for this kind of style where you can actually see what's going on. <laughs> which is why yeah, nice. yeah it's quite important with this game because uh, there's a little bit of bullet hell going on there's a little bit of yeah, platforming going on
1: it's good to like not make not make it too, too hard to see things because the screen zooms out really far so mm-hmm. your character is basically just a few pixels tall sometimes and yeah. there's effects everywhere so I couldn't make the effects all no, that's kind of uh, an excuse, but uh, because I'm not very good at making effects either. But I couldn't make the effects like super massive uh, as well because then they would just cover the screen and you couldn't see anything. So, so they're kind of simple, but honestly, that's mostly because we don't have a good effect tool.
0: That's all right. So, the first design question you brace yourself, and um, we've already sort of maybe touched upon this earlier on in the show, but we'll. We're going to dive, you know, we're going to focus on it for Mixed Domination Force. And there's one thing that struck me as I was playing the game, and I've we played it a lot on the train, because it's on Switch, everyone, so, you know, uh, and it's a perfect platform for this game. How do you manage difficulty with respect to the design of each Mega Mech? So the Mega Mech are basically the big bosses that you fight. Um, so, because this to describe to me your design process, if you can, summarise it for each mech and how do you make sure that it's not so challenging that it's frustrating explain that to us please
1: Uh, well I mean to be honest I'm not really sure (laughs) I succeeded with that or if my design process was very good uh, in that uh, aspect because uh, a lot of the final uh, like uh, the balancing was done really late in the project and I didn't test it as much as I should have, and also I wasn't really prepared for the review, saying it would be as hard as some of them say it is. But, uh, but basically, at first, when I developed the game from or made all the bosses, they they were all like based. I I tested everything with like the, a standard amount of health and just a standard uh, standard gun, which is not a good way to go
0: right
1: so i uh, like every boss was about kind of how kind of uh, equally difficult with the uh, i think we used to had like f- five five hearts uh, during development and just a standard gun right. for nearly the entire development but right. we, we always had a plan to like have upgradable health and uh, more weapons but they got in so late in the game, and and also we didn't really settle on the exact ordering on the bosses in the beginning. Like we we knew because the game has uh, a few upgrades you have to have on some of the bosses. So so there's a bunch you have to a few that has to be in the beginning of the game, and some in the middle, and some in the end, depending on when you get certain upgrades. So that that was fixed, but otherwise the order was not decided.
0: Ah. Uh. Right.
1: So, so basically, I, I just developed them in to be as challenging as I thought would be fun, and then when it finally came around to actually balancing it to to a final, like for the player, that that was really just around mixing up the amount of damage and. Uh, like how much damage different parts of uh, of the bosses took and uh, how much uh, how much damage they did to the player as well. And there are some solutions in there that I'm not really proud of how, how they turn out, like where certain attacks that look pretty much identical uh, make more damage on the later boss because you're supposed to have more uh more health uh, in the end of the game and right. also just to make that boss harder and I'm not really happy with how we balance the game but uh, well it well that's how we did it anyway
0: yeah. that's alright I mean I, I just want as I found you know each each boss and I found the patterns they're really intricate and they're quite fascinating and uh, that was what got me going so I'm a big explorer I love seeing new stuff uh, and uh, blowing
1: One, uh, kind of help was something I. I decided early on that, or well, it's a part of the core, core design as well, is that be- because on nearly all the bosses you still have to use your uh, the baseball bat or melee attack to actually deal the final hit to the bosses. Yeah. So the weapons you use aren't. As important as they would otherwise, so that that means that like the boss doesn't totally break if you have a more powerful weapon or a weapon that can shoot in uh, like reach different parts of the boss. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they do make a lot of difference when playing. it like some weapons work really well on some bosses and some not, but it doesn't like totally break
0: the balance no and that's that's the that's the struggle isn't it or the, the that's what i'm trying to get at that's how to create a challenge without actually creating frustration for the player which is yeah. which is the worst because you don't want the game the player walking away going it's not my fault the game and that's a terror it's a real you know struggle for many to actually overcome that but i think you have my my view because i just i just find it um you know, it's just a mountain to climb, and that's fine. And you eventually, because it's a roguelite, you've got um, you can actually spend the money that you earn while attempting these bosses to increase your gear or improve your gear, improve your, your hearts, and stuff like that, or your health. Um, and it makes life a little bit easier because that's how roguelites work. But before we delve into that, I've got another question for you, and this is related to the first one, of course it is. How do you believe extermination force advertises to the player their level of success as they engage the, the creature or the monster? How do you think that 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 feedback is is explained to them? How, you know, what, what what did you do to make sure that they understood where they were in this engagement with the boss? Um, I'm not quite sure I understand. So. Question when you're fighting a boss, they are starting because they're big robots, basically, aren't they? Yeah. And uh, bits of them start flying off. And the key, really, is the three or well, whatever many there are, red sort of positions and dots yeah. or buttons, where you actually have to smash them in the face of a baseball bat. Not maybe, not the face. Typically is the face, though, with a baseball bat. I just want to ask you, when you're attempting these bosses, um, how had you gauge How did you manage to gauge it so you made sure that the player knew what kind of health level of health? Because there's no health bar, really. Um, no. no. So what kind of? How did you think? What, what? How did you set about designing it so the player knew how how far they progress or are progressing in this engagement with this boss? How did you design? I
1: mean, I I'm not sure players really. know that to be honest and and that's kind of I mean so many of the bosses have multiple forms as well so that's Mm -hmm. that's supposed to be a surprise like you thought you pretty much killed it or maybe you realized it was too quick to do that but either way then then it changes form completely and you have a whole new set of challenges yeah so that's that's one thing but for the most part you have you have the weak spots pretty Pretty visible for the most uh, most of the time, and mm. you can easily see like this. There's a uh, few weak spots here, and, and yeah, obviously you have to hit all of them. And when you hit one, you, you know that this, this one less left. And but then, of course, I wanted to be a lot of surprises along the way, so mm. they change form as well. And and yeah, that's not really something I. Consider that much, but in some way it's kind of obvious because things fall off and weak spots uh, explode and get destroyed, so I don't think a health bar is really necessary in that way, once you learn like how the game works.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I just found it really fascinating. Like, here's a boss fight, like, wait, where's the health bar? Where's its health bar? That's how boss fights work. Oh, wait, I've just got to figure this out myself. And it's great. <laughs> what it does is it, 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 it gives the the player or credits the player with some intelligence and you know, they can see what's going on they know how bad off it is because half of it's on the floor exploded <laughs> you know yeah, it's, yeah. you can see what's going on I However,
1: mean, it, it would be kind of hard to to do a good health bar system in, in a game like this as well because I mean if you only if only the actual uh, cores or weak spots uh, affected the health bar you'd it wouldn't move a whole lot during the boss battles. Like, everything you shoot off in it, which is still vital to to the actual battle,
0: mm-hmm.
1: would, uh, wouldn't would move the health part. At all. Or if it did, you'd still wouldn't, like... That's it would look like you had to shoot yeah. off everything, which you don't. You
0: don't. So. You'd be at be, be a point where you're shooting away and you look down at the bar like, there's nothing happening. I'm, I'm shooting these yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. not this is rubbish. Like yeah, it will be yeah, you're right. And this this is not about taking away its health, it's just shutting it down from a key weakness point, which it does a good job of defending, I found. Um so uh I wanna ask about this one thing that I found you in certain bosses, not all of them, but one thing I've found is that standing in position or kneeling or standing and firing is really, really effective. Was this yeah. always present, or was it something added later?
1: Uh, yeah, it was pretty much always there because, I mean, basically, the the reason, of, or like, a lot a lot of people are kind of confused about like pressing L and R to crouch, which mm. seems like a weird design choice, but really it's because the the climbing mechanics was such a Central part of the aim, and like the the crouch state is basically just the climb state, but on flat ground.
0: Right, right. I just found myself sort of digging in uh, and going, you know, spraying bullets everywhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah, So that that was like in the very first prototype thing I did very early.
0: Okay, okay. And it just—it's really, I mean, it's really effective. And as soon as you learn that. Uh, for a lot of bosses, it makes life a lot easier. Not all of them. Some of them, you need to keep on moving. Oh boy. But some of them uh, rely on this fact that you need to, you need to sort of uh, just set yourself down and uh, take out some of those yellow points before you then start launching yourself at other things. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so, one last design question. And we hinted at it earlier, but uh, I want to talk to you about the design of the upgrades. That the player can get. Um, I'm assuming this was relatively late in the design of the project, or maybe it wasn't. Um, tell us a little bit about how you went about upgrading and creating these upgrades to make just a little bit easier to take down these big robots.
1: Yeah, so as I said, they were they were added really late in project. They were planned early. Like we, I always knew we wanted to have a, like upgradable health and. And new weapons. I didn't have really any plan for most of the weapons until like the last minute, so all of that was done really late. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure <laughs> what
0: I no, can no, say. No, no, just no, no. Just like talk. Give us some examples of what you've made and um, what they do and how you came, how you designed them. Really, not so much the, the timing of them, but could you give us examples yeah. of how they work, and what they do.
1: So, so yeah, basically, you can... On one hand, you can buy, like, extra health. That's pretty basic. And you can also buy temporary health points that only last for the next battle, which yeah. I'm not sure anyone actually uses, but I actually think they would be pretty effective to use, but mm. I'm not sure anyone actually does it. And then, then there's weapon upgrades, or, like, different weapons. Like, you get the... Some some really classical ones like the spread shot basically from Contra which shoots normal like five bullets I think it is in our game. Yeah. It's five bullets in a in a well, a basic spread shot basically. And then there's a flamethrower which is really effective at close range, but well, it has a really close range short range, so it's completely worthless against a lot of bosses, but really effective against others. Okay. Then there's a laser that can bounce on surfaces and hit multiple targets, which is kind of uh, hard to use on some things, but really good in other cases. And another, like bomb, uh, bomb-like shot, and and a really super powerful wave beam you can get at the end, which basically kills everything really fast. Cool. Yeah. So and they they all like ramp up in price as well. So it's hard
0: to. Yeah, you gotta you gotta blow up those robots before you get most of those yeah. weapons. I can assure you. Um, but uh, no, it's it's a really wonderful sort of hub world that you've got made there, and uh, uh, I do like the fact that the opening is quite funny, uh, and that you know it's like oh just you're, you're a rookie. And there's all these people. Let's, let's go. Oh wait, you're all dead. But you 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 survive, so you must be all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah. they it's... don't
1: die though they just made them unconscious and yes. hurt badly
0: yes of course of course just to be clear sorry everyone. yeah uh and uh yes and then you go back to the base and continue blowing up robots which is great um well yes that's that's up for this show really uh, extermination force is out now on uh the switch anything else it's just the yeah. switch isn't it
1: it's just a switch for now. Um, ports might be coming later, but I'm not really sure when or if or how. Because well, we're already starting a new project and oh, yeah. Yeah. don't really have time for porting it. But then uh, handing out the port to someone else would be a lot less efficient than doing it myself because it's <laughs> a custom engine and oh, right. and all that. So.
0: Nice. Okay.
1: Be a lot more efficient to do it myself, but I don't yeah. have the time or the energy.
0: No, I understand. I understand. But anyway, it's a it's a wonderful addition to the the, the Switch, which is a great platform, uh, as we, you and I know. It's it's wonderful. Yeah. It's, uh, it's 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 rightly celebrated. So, yeah, uh, it's been has been fantastic having you on the show. Um, Thanks. it's been nice. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed yourself. I know yeah. I did. No fun yeah I hope you got something out of it and um, you're than welcome to come back to talk about your next project whatever that may be um, but um, yeah but until then thanks very much
1: yeah thank you